Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Isn't that good to say? Isn't that good to say? So glad you're everyone is here this morning. Uh, what a blessed morning it's been. Uh, choir, you did great. Children's choir, you were awesome. Uh, I just want to thank uh, all the people and the hard work that's gone into to all those things. So uh, what, a, what a blessed time uh, to be here and, and to come and to worship this morning. Uh, as we uh, have, have lit our, uh, our final candle this morning, uh, our, our Christ candle, the Christ candle is the center one, the, uh, the white one. It represents... Uh, uh, Jesus Christ and and uh, His holiness and uh, His perfect uh, being. And then, of course, the light, as the children have sung about this morning, uh, uh, bringing the light of God into the world. Uh, what a wonderful day. I hope you've uh, enjoyed uh, our series. Uh, we wrap up our Christmas Dilemma series this morning. Uh, over the last four weeks, we, uh, we've looked at the, the story of Christmas. We've, uh, we've dove into uh, each person who was involved in this story and the dilemmas in which they had to deal with. Of course, we looked at Joseph, and uh, you know his dilemma was what to do with Mary, uh, he, his betrothed wife, his wife uh, in every sense except them living together and having relations uh, has has now showed up pregnant. Uh, and, and in this culture, he had he had a couple things that he could do. He could take her before the authorities. And they would take her and they would stone her to death for being a cheat to him. Or he could divorce her quietly and just let her go. Being a man of integrity, that's what he wanted to do. He just wanted to, to, to put her away and, and, and be done with that. But then God. You know, how, how many times do we notice that in the Bible, but God? Right, but God showed up and, and told him his plan, and 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 then Joseph changed his mind and and uh, took Mary and took Jesus uh, and to protect them and and to love them with all of his heart. Then we looked at Mary and her dilemmas as the angel came to her and said, "You know, this is this is the way that the Messiah is going to come." She says, "How can this be?" He dem- demonstrates and tells her the Holy Spirit will come upon him and uh, upon her, and uh, that this child is to to be the Son of God. And she says, "Let it be to me as you've said." She took the dilemma and she took it with faith, and she moved forward. And Jesus was born to us. We we saw on that night that that Jesus was born. That uh, uh, God spoke to the shepherds you know when we looked at the shepherds and you know as we look through and go through our bibles and we read about shepherds and we we see and we know that that king david was a shepherd right and and that that shepherds that, that was kind of a good thing in the old testament but then there was a shift and and by the time that jesus was born shepherds were third class citizens they were they were known as dirty rotten scoundrels that nobody wanted anything to do with but God, again, God came and he showed his glory unto these people, these people who uh, were thought of as, as worthless in the rest of the side of the community. But he showed his glory to them and he gave them a message that the Messiah had been born in Bethlehem that night. And they were to go 
and worship with. So what did they do? They had that choice. They knew, they knew what everybody else thought about them. Yet they chose to go ahead and go. Be obedient to Christ. We saw that. Last week we talked about the innkeeper. You know, the innkeeper was not actually mentioned, but we know that it, there was no room for them in the inn. As we talked about the different things and the scenarios in which uh, would have happened that night is that that innkeeper actually searched to find them a place to stay that night. And our question to us all last week was this. Is there room in your heart for Jesus? Today is we close up when we look at the wise men, the dilemma that the wise men faced was a dilemma of obedience. So one of the most recognizable questions that we have seen and articulated uh, throughout our history would come from that of old William Shakespeare. You guys remember studying him in school? You remember Hamlet? You know, Hamlet asked the question, to be or not to be? That is the question, right? But for us today, I think it's a, a better question if we put a O in front of B and a Y at the end of B. And we ask this question today, to obey or not to obey? That is the dilemma in which the wise men faced, and that is the dilemma in which we face today. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, there's, there's pew Bibles in, in the pews, and there's also it's, the scriptures will be on the screen. But let's go to Matthew chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 12 and ask God to speak to our hearts today. Matthew 2, starting verse 1, says this. Now, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly uh, ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for this child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I, too, may come and worship him. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had uh, seen when it arose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Father, uh, we just come before you this morning and, and we just re- do uh, rejoicingly with joy uh, praise your holy name and thank you for what you have done. Lord, we just ask that you would speak the truth into our hearts this morning that may we may know the truth and then that we may be obedient to it. God, you are so good. We ask your blessings upon this time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, biblical scholars uh, all say that this is probably one of the most difficult passages to interpret in the whole Bible uh, as the lack of details that we have in it. It leaves us uh, having many questions in, in what actually happened that night and what, what, what was going on here. Where were the wise men from? How many of them were there? Um, um, what could have been their names? And what was the significance of the gifts that they brought? Well, this morning I want to share with you guys a few of those and try to answer a few of those for you, Uh, but in the end it's going to come down to this, is the dilemma in which they have, is the dilemma that we we have. Are we going to obey God and what he's given us, or are we going to go our own way and follow the world? Uh, so, so as we look at this and we think about the wise men, uh, we know that it just tells us that the wise men came from the east. Uh, many scholars tell us that, that uh, you know, directly east of Israel is Iraq, so that the wise men probably came from Iraq. But if you continue to go east and continue to go east and continue to go east, then you're going to find yourself in China. And I want you to think a little bit outside the box with me this morning. Is I want to think about this. Is God kind of brought this to me a few months ago? As 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 I, you know, I'm always searching for. Uh, and I was just looking for uh, uh, places in the world where Christians were being persecuted. Uh, and I came to uh, you know uh, uh, this video was talking about uh, China, and uh, and I, guys, we really need to pray for China. Right now, I don't know if you heard, but over the last couple of weeks, the government of China has really cracked down uh, on the Christian church. There are uh, Christian churches in uh, China that are legal. They've, they've gone before the country, and they've got a right to, to, to be as... Um, a church, uh, but th- but they are they are oppressed. Uh, they they're not given full rights there. Well, uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, the government's come down and, and cracked down upon those and even burning churches down. So uh, many churches in China, and there's a, a, a huge population of people that are 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 love the Lord in such a way that they come and they worship in secret because. They know that they will be persecuted if they tried to worship in public. 
There, so we need to pray for the church in China. But and as we think about China, we think about you know uh, religions of uh, Buddhism or Confucius and, and these things. We don't think about uh, God being in China. But I came across this video, and this video was about um, God in the ancient Chinese writings, and, and it, it it displays. A picture of God. You know, as, as we look at uh, our Old Testament, especially, we see that it was, it was uh, written in Hebrew. The ancient Hebrew uh, was not, wasn't just uh, letters or symbols, but, but it was a, a pictograph. Uh, you know, there would be a picture of a bull, and it meant this. Pictures of different things, and it meant different things. And that's, that's how we got the Old Testament. Well, the Chinese ancient uh, uh, writing is the same. It's a bunch of pictures that make out symbols that mean the words, and then we we inscribe them. Uh, there's there are so many things, and I've just I've got into it, and I, I just it's amazing what we see in the the writings of Chinese. But just for an example, just to bring you, and, and for our time's sake, I'm just going to show you one thing. If you if you put up on the screen the word eternal in Chinese. You see on the top, it, now this, I have to describe it to you just a little bit, but it, it, there's two pictures here. On the top, it, the, you know, the little V shape and then the lines up there on top. What that meaning and that symbol means in Chinese is this, the lamb. The lamb that is being sacrificed. Now, the three wavy lines on the bottom represent water and being cleansed. So thousands of years before Jesus came, the, the ancient writings bring us back to between 2500 and 2200 B.C., which would be about the exact time that we see in the Old Testament that the Tower of Babel happened and God disrupted the people and gave them new, and they made their own languages and went their own ways. So 2,500 years before Jesus Christ came, a group of people that were descendants of Noah left the Tower of Babel. They went east all the way into China and they made their own language. And in their own language, it shows us this. It depicts this, that eternity, to go into eternal life, they knew that came through a sacrifice. A sacrifice, not just any sacrifice, but a sacrifice of a lamb. And that lamb, that being sacrificed, was like washing of water, was cleansing to the soul, which would lead you to eternity. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that just... That, that makes me, that gets me excited. That is awesome, isn't it? Isn't it cool the way that God depicts his presence throughout the world? How God is showing himself to people. And that in China, even though they are persecuted to this day, heavily persecuted, put in jail, put in, killed even, they are still worshiping the God who is the one true God. That makes me want to say Merry Christmas. 
You think about what God has done for us, and we think about how God is still displaying himself among us, he's, how he's pointing himself to us, and his, his glory and his grace is all around us. And then we think about this dilemma, the dilemma of the wise men. We look at Matthew chapter 2, and we think about the nativity scene. You know, many times we, we look at our nativity scene, and we, we have the wise men there at the nativity scene the night that Jesus is born. But, but the truth is that uh, they weren't there yet. It, it, we see clearly in verse 11, he says that uh, he, they found him in a house. And so scholars, they, they tell us and they, they, they show us that there was some time between Jesus' actual birth and the time that they re- arrived at Jesus' house. And that time could have been two months up to two, two and a half years, depending on the journey and the time and, of the star in which they saw. But the, what we do know is this, that they found him. They found him, and, 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 and that, that as they came into uh, Israel and they came to Judea, they also found another man. They found a man named Herod, who had been given the title, the king of the Jews. Herod, we know, was a, 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 a cruel, mean person. He was manipulative and, and uh, uh, just uh, harsh upon the weaker people. Uh, he, he, he loved his authority. He loved his, his kingship to the point that he murdered in, uh, people to keep it. And not, even, not only did he murder people to keep his position, but he murdered people in his own household, his own family, anybody who came to be a threat to his kingdom. He put under his feet. And then we saw he was great and not only uh, ruling those per- people around him. And, and as, the, as the Bible says, uh, Herod uh, was, was um, oh, how's it put it? Uh, Herod was troubled and all of Jer- Jer- uh, Jerusalem with him. Yes, the people were troubled because they knew Herod was about to squash anything that tried to take away his kingship. Well, then we see in Matthew 2, verse 7 through 9, Herod Herod calls the wise men, and he calls them to himself, and Herod summons them. He He summons them, the wise men, in secretly, and it ascertains from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring him to me so that I may too should go and worship. After listening to the king, they went their way. And behold, the star uh, had, that they had seen had rose and went before them until it came to rest upon the place where the child was. I know as, as we look at this and we see this and uh, we see that at this time Herod summons the wise men to a secret meeting. I don't know about you, but I think anybody who, who has lived in this world very long realizes this, that any time that there is something that is veiled in secrecy, there's something not right going on there. 
if it's being hidden in secrecy, then there's problems with it. We have to look to Jesus. And and Jesus says in Luke chapter 8, verse 17, probably some of the scariest words we see in the Bible. And Jesus says, "For, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. We should be careful in the way that we live our lives. We should not follow the path which Herod was on. Imagine Herod's life was full of a lot of secret meetings. But we should live a life that is fully disclosed. We should learn to live a life that is all about the truth because the truth sets us free. Amen? What we see next in verse 10 and 11 is this. Is it says that, that when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy going into the house and they saw the child with Mary and his mother and they fell down and worshipped him. Opening their treasures and offering him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I can only imagine the excitement as they got to the point of their destination. Uh, I can only imagine how long and how hard the road was to travel to get to Jesus and then having to to deal with this, this Herod and, and the people there in Israel that were searching for the king and were who were troubled in what they were brought before him. But now that they had found Jesus, we see that they were exceedingly glad With great joy. We can't overemphasize that enough. There is exceeding gladness, great joy of tidings, awesome blessing when you find Jesus. Amen? When you find Jesus, when you know the Lord, the God of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, when you find and you know Jesus, there is an an absolute joy that is undeniable that only you can get from God. And they were here, they were there, and what did they do when they saw Jesus? They fell down and worshipped him. And not only that, but they brought him gifts. And what were those gifts? You know, people, people always are, are wondering, what, what was the significance of these gifts? Well, these gifts tell us a story about the significance of what Jesus was to these people. It it was an it was an acknowledgement of who Jesus was. They brought him gold, and gold represented kingship in the earth. They were bringing the gold and they were laying it at Jesus' feet, showing that he is the king. He is the one true king of the world and of the heavens. Jesus, king of all. Then they brought him frankincense. Frankincense. Frankincense is an incense, right? Why would they bring him this well frankincense was used in the temple 
They would take the frankincense and they would mix it with oil. And then they would take that and they would anoint the priest. And the priest would go in and do his, his, his ceremonies before God in the holies of holies. The frankincense was showing us, it was, it was a symbol, it was, it was, it was uh, authoritative showing that Jesus is our high priest. Jesus Christ is our advocate before God Almighty. He is our king and he is our high priest. Then they brought him myrrh. Myrrh. Myrrh, this is, this is, this is the strangest of gifts. Is myrrh was used to embalm people. Why? why I mean... This is an odd gift, isn't it? And if not odd, this is this is kind of an offensive gift to bring an infant, right? To bring a, a, a toddler. Why? Why would you bring an infant in embalming fluids? Well, in any other case, it would be odd, but in the case of Jesus, is profound. Because what the wise men were doing as they brought the myrrh and, and presented it to Jesus Christ was they were acknowledging that this baby was the baby that would have this, that would be the sacrifice for the whole world. That this baby upon his death would be taking the sins of the world upon his shoulders. They were acknowledging he was king, he was high priest, and he is our, our sacrifice, our atonement of sin. They were acknowledging him and worshiping him as God. As we've seen these things, as we've, as we've gone through this story, as we've marveled in this series, as, as in every way it has pointed us to, to God being the Savior of the world, but also being our King, our Messiah, and, and the taker of our sins. Finally, we look at verse 12. In verse 12, they see that the wise men's full dilemma comes to fruition. They have found Jesus. They have located where he's at. Now what do they do? Do they follow the instructions of, of men and King Herod? Or do they do something different? The Bible says, and, and being warned in a dream, they did not return to Herod, and they departed to their own country another way. So our question this morning, in obey or, or not to obey, we kind of shift and we ask, who should we obey and who should we not obey? Because in the world, and for all of us, and as we see this uh, uh, on our television screens every night, and, and how the world is, is pushing us to, to change different things, that even in our government, it is clear that, that, that things are always changing. In the world, we know and we see through the wise men here that, that we should, it should be clear to us that we should always follow the Lord. Amen? 
But in life, it's not not that easy anymore. Life complicates things. And even in the scriptures, it kind of, it twists things a little bit, though it's hard for us to see. Because Paul tells us in Romans 13.1, Let every person be subject to the government authorities. For there is no authority except for God. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists that God has appointed those and resist and those who resist will uh, will have judgment. Peter goes on to write, be subjective to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor, emperor as supreme or the governors that are sent to him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. So, so right there, isn't it clear? It's clear to us that we are to follow the authority of the government that we're under, right? Well, that's not the, quite the end of the story. Yes, as people of God, especially, we are to try to do our best to live a life that is quiet and respectable, pointing God, people to God and his light. That is who we are. That is what we are. But... In this world, things change and people start to go their own way. The end of the story, as Peter writes, Acts, or Peter, or Luke wrote it, but in Acts chapter 4, we saw Peter and John. Peter and John were ordered, ordered by the authorities to do what? To stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what did Peter say? Peter said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But for, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. The truth. The truth is what's got to be on our lips no matter what. Peter, again, in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, says, We must obey God rather than men. As we look at the Old Testament, we, we draw from it as well. You know, the, you know very well the story of, of Daniel. And Daniel rose to be in power as he, he followed Jesus and he followed God in, in, in Babylon, in a foreign country. He rose to power in this country and people got uh, mad and, and wanted to trick him. So then they, they got the, the, the king there to raise up a statue and, and every day they were going to call out the horns and, and everybody was going to bow down into the statue to worship the king but Daniel because Daniel knew this just as we know this it's the first commandment you shall have no other gods before me and then if a government changes the laws that do not represent God and his authority then I cannot obey that government there was consequences for that, wasn't there? Daniel, when being found out that he wouldn't bow down before the statue was thrown into, the lion's den. But when people are obedient to God, God works miracles. We know that the lions didn't eat Daniel in the lion's den. 
he came out because he worshiped the one true God. Jesus tells us, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but to God what is God's. Listen to me, friends. We do our best to live a quiet, peaceable life, and we submit to the authorities that are above us. But when it comes to violating God's law, there is only one authority. That's the highest authority. And that's God. So when we come to a dilemma on who are we going to obey, and what are we going to obey, we have to make a choice. Or are we going to follow the ways of the world? Or are we going to follow God? If you get nothing out of today's sermon whatsoever, please remember this. Wise men, wise women, follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, just come to you today and just praise your holy name, thanking you for what you've done. And Lord, what you're going to do. And Father, as we've seen throughout this series and in, in, uh, in, in how all the prophecies were fulfilled and, and how you have shown and you've pointed us that, 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 that Jesus being born in this way, was, well, he was the Messiah. But not only that, as, as, as we've looked through all out these scriptures and we've seen everything that points us not just to uh, his birth being divine, but his life and his death. Father, we we praise your holy name. We thank you for what you've done there. But in believing this and knowing this and seeing this as truth, God, now we look to you as we know that you are going to come back again one day. And Father, I pray that right now as, as we all these people are gathered here today and we've listened and we looked at your word, God, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. That, Lord, if there is one here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, who doesn't know the peace, who have not, has not come to know the, the amazing joy that comes by knowing you and having faith and belief in you, God. Lord, that you would... Draw them to yourself today, and Lord, that they would come into faith to know you as their king. And Father, for all of us that are here today, Father, I pray that you would give us strength each and every day to follow you and to be obedient to you, to have no other gods before you. Lord, to be, to be, Lord, we're so thankful to live in, in a country that we are free and that we have the opportunity to elect the people who govern over us and make decisions. Father, help us be wise to elect leaders that are going to follow you as well. And Father, I pray that you would help us each day be obedient to your word. Father, you're good. And we give you this praise, and we thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's stand and...